Welcome to Crime Corner, where we examine all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as it takes. My guest today is talking to us all the way from Ireland, and uh, we're both amazed that um, we can actually do this. Um, it's Andrea Carter, who grew up in Leash, Ireland, and it's not spelled the way it sounds, and studied law at Trinity College, Dublin, before moving to the Inishowen Peninsula, which I probably pronounced incorrectly, in uh, County Donegal, where she ran the mostly, I'm sorry, the most northerly solicitor's practice in the country. In 2006, she returned to Dublin to work as a barrister before turning to write crime novels. Andrea is the author of the Inishowen Mysteries, most recently, the most recent one in the U.S., which just came out, um, I think, is The Well of Ice. Her books are published by Little Brown in the U.K., Goldman uh, Verlag in Germany, and Ocean View here in the U.S. And we'll, the uh, series will be adapted for TV, or if not, if it hasn't already been, sometime soon. She holds an MFA in creative writing from University College Dublin. Her first book, Death at Whitewater Church, was one of the winners of the Irish Writers' Center Novel Fair, and she has been the recipient of two Arts Councils of Ireland Literature Bursary Awards. The Sunday Times has said, Carter excels in recreating the cloistered, gossipy confines of a small Irish village. The Inishowen Peninsula community, where everybody knows everybody else's business, is a fine stand-in for the mannered, drawing-room society of a Christie mystery. High praise indeed. Welcome, Andrea Carter. Thank you. You got it. I, every, I, go ahead. I was just going to say beautiful pronunciation. Uh, you got leash, perfect. In his own, perfect. But uh, Donegal is Donegal as opposed to Donegal. Okay. Donegal, that was the one I yeah. thought I knew. I actually went online to do a pronunciation thing. Um, I was right on his own, but Leash, there was no way I would have gotten that without going online and having the uh, computer tell me how to pronounce. So, anyway, I know, I know. You did tell us a little. Oh, thanks. And I missed up the one I should have known. Tell us a little bit about, a bit about the Well of Ice and Benedicta Ben O'Keefe. Well, um, The Well of Ice is the third in the Initial Mysteries series. And the Initial Mysteries are um, about uh, Ben, Benedicta O'Keefe, who is a solicitor, um, which is uh, our, our, in Ireland, our um, legal profession is split into solicitors and barristers. Um, and so she runs a small legal practice. Uh, on the Inishowen Peninsula in uh, County Donegal, which is, and she runs the most northerly solicitor's practice in the country. So she's in a very remote part of Ireland. Um, but she has, uh, she's not originally from there. She's a blow-in. Uh, so she's, she's a blow-in? Uh, is that what they call She's a blow-in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. So she's, and I mean, in, in certain rural parts in Ireland, you will be considered a blow-in until you die there. Um, you mm. could be living there for 20 years, which you'd need to be in the local graveyard in order to be considered a local. Um, <laughs> so she, uh, she, has, she has a history. She has a, a secret history. She has uh, some tragedy in her past, and she has left Dublin, which is where she's from, um, and sort of run away to Inishowen, where she has set up her legal practice. And so the books are, are about her. Uh, there's a separate mystery in each book. And um, a bit similar to your Rick uh, Cahill series, um, 
she uh, there is a separate story in each book, but there is a continuing uh, narrative about her story and her history becomes more revealed as each book um, happens. Um, the Well of Ice is the third and it sort of completes a bit of an arc in terms of Ben's history and her, her past yep. certainly comes back to, to haunt her um, and she has to confront it in, in this book. Right. And uh, I love a series with a, with a little bit of dark history in the past, a mystery. And uh, yeah, it is revealing in this book, um, which is fun. So the thing that jumped out at me while I was reading um, The Well of Ice was a sense of place just immediately from page one. Yeah. You do a great job of describing – now let me see if I get this right – Glendara? Yes, well done. Nicely done. All right. <laughs> uh, it's great for readers like me uh, about a town in Ireland that I've never heard of. Um, so is that when you're sitting down coming up with a story, does a sense of place start? Is that what comes to you first? Yeah, yeah. My my stories, um, my books always start with setting. And I think um, certainly the Inishowen mysteries uh, couldn't have been, couldn't be set anywhere else. Inishowen, right. the peninsula um, with its, you know, its cliffs and its, it's long deserted beaches and it's deserted, uh, it's ruined churches and it's um, old forts. All, all of, all of that that makes up the Inishowen Peninsula is very much part of the books. Um, and I, I always start my story with, with, uh, with a place. And the first book is uh, Death at Whitewater Church, and it starts with um, a. Uh, a crypt uh, in a deconsecrated church on a cliff, and the second one is Treacherous Strand, and it starts with a with a very remote beach and a body washing up on a remote beach. And so, yes, I absolutely start with the location, with with where the body is found, and then my story comes out of that. Um, so, setting is very important to me. And Inishowen is a character in, in the books as much as Ben is, right. or, uh, or Malloy, yeah. Right, very well done. And for a um, a un, not well traveled American like me, um, the fact that there was a lot of snow in this area in Ireland. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I know yeah. it snows occasionally in London or something, but yeah, I was uh, was new. Yeah, this no, be. we do. We get so yeah. we certainly do get snow. Not every year, um, but so um, I mean. Uh, Weather certainly plays quite a significant um, part in my books as well. Yep. Um, the one that comes after um, Murdered Grace Bridge is set during um, a heat wave, which none of the locals can handle at all, you know. Um, and uh, there's certainly a lot of rain and wind in the books, generally speaking. So, um, But, you know, weather is, is, is a massive part of living in Ireland. I mean, it's what we talk about all the time. And we're right. absolutely obsessed by it. You know, the first thing anybody will say to you when they meet you is not really how you are, how are you, but it'll be some kind of a comment on the weather or the rain or whether it's a nice day or whether it's about to rain or, you know, so, um, so that's very, very much an Irish thing is the weather. Well, it certainly makes for green terrain. Um, so yes. Ben, Ben has a boyfriend uh, who's a policeman named Malloy and yes. That's how she refers to him, because uh, we read her in first person. So when she's thinking about her boyfriend in her head, we read Malloy. Um, yes. Why didn't she ever use his first name, or is he so iconic that he just goes by one name like Cher? I don't know. He 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 sort of. When I started writing him, I I, I called him 
Tom Malloy, which is what his full name. In fact, I often I forget that his first name is Tom. I think of him as Malloy. Um, so when when I started writing him, it didn't feel right to call him Tom somehow because they weren't boyfriend and girlfriend at the beginning, and yeah. through the course of the novels, their relationship is never straightforward and and. You right. Know, um, there, there are times I think when it's far more comfortable for her to think of him as Malloy rather than Tom. You know, there's a lack of intimacy um, that creeps in periodically throughout the books. Um, so there's a certain distance there, and I think possibly that's why I keep him as Malloy rather than you know um, Tom. Uh, also, he's the local sergeant, so he's known locally as Malloy and I mean that's um or the sergeant um you know which is the way that a, a local guard would be known um so yeah it I, I'm not sure it's something I might give a bit of thought to actually um and I've never really thought about it before but I think that's that's the best I can come up with is that you know there is there's a certain distance there yeah well actually um I it to me it it um, it's indicative of that, and that's what I felt, and that's what I thought it was really well. I thought it was really well done um, because the relationship okay. is kind of uh, back and forth a bit, and especially in this book, you can't really get a f- complete finger on it. But so I, yeah. that's in my head. I was thinking, yeah, that's sort of a distancing, um, kind of a cute thing too, yeah. but sort of a distancing way. And I thought that's what I was. That's what I thought. And it's nice to hear um, that it's the situation. Um, I just had a really brilliant idea that I forgot. I should write these things down. Anyway, so why did you choose to write uh, um, Ben in first person? Because you, you don't, you know, she's not a PI. Yeah. You have options of where you could go in first or third. Yeah, there's a there's an odd tale actually to 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 the answer to that question. Um, I started writing Ben was very much me when I started writing her. I mean, most people course, I think when they start course. to write write in a very autobiographical way and so you know they think they're writing fiction but to a large extent they're writing their own story in some way and yep. so when I started writing Ben O'Keefe you know I, I was writing a character who was a lawyer who ran the most northerly solicitor's practice in the country on the Inishowen Peninsula and at the time I was writing I was a lawyer who ran the most northerly solicitor's practice in the country. <laughs> and and so when I started writing her, I, I was writing really just for my own, um, almost as a stress, I was going to say for my own pleasure, but it wasn't really. It was almost to kind of stop myself from worrying about work concerns. It was a way of escaping um, work stress. And, you know, in, in, in a way to keep me away from the bottle of wine in the fridge, you know, I would open up my computer and I would start, you know, writing scenes that really had me in them, you know, a more kind of a, a braver or more reckless version of me, you know, saying things to her clients that, that I couldn't say or behaving in a way that I certainly wouldn't have been able to behave. Um, and And so when I was writing you know, odd scenes like that while I was still practicing um, as a solicitor in Inishowen, uh, it never occurred to me that those books would be published or they weren't books, those scenes would be published. It never occurred to me that I would ever be published and they were they were probably far too close to the truth to ever be published, you know. Um, and so, so I was writing and I was writing her in the third person at that point. 
Um, and then I started to, I moved to Dublin. I started practicing as a barrister in, in Dublin and I moved away from Inishon and I continued to write. I had more time on my hands and I continued to write. And I found that I was continuing to write this character, Ben O'Keefe. And I did um, a writing course, uh, just a, an evening writing course. And I was showing my scenes to other people in the class and, and the, the person that was taking the class. And they, there was something not quite right about them. And somebody say, made the suggestion that I start to write in the first person and to see if I managed to get more, uh, get closer to the character, which sounded really weird to me because I thought I was incredibly close to the character because I thought yeah. it was me. Right. Um, and so I started to write, I started to write from the first, uh, in, in the first person. And weirdly, she started to detach herself from me as a character and develop her own backstory and develop her own um, tragic history and her own personality. And she began to become the character that I could write about and, and put into stories that weren't anything to do with me, you know, other than the fact that I kept her running this practice in the show, and which was similar to the one that I ran, you know. So, yeah, it, that was the That's way. I, yeah. But it, it went she, that she way. That went me. The, yeah. Right. When you went to first person. Exactly. She became less me when I went to first person. Yeah. Very strange. But that's that's definitely the way it happens, you know. I think that um, so. we're going to talk a little bit about um, the craft because we have a lot of writers that listen to at various stages of their career listen to the show. But um, I think that, you know, I, I there's a, a writer named Alan Russell in San Diego, and he's um, a pretty successful mystery writer. And I was at a conference, my very first writer's conference. And he had the misfortune of reading um, – back then it was like 30 pages these people have to read when they sign up to critique. So he had to read 30 right. pages of my first, first draft of my first book, like 10 years before right. it got public. But he said to me – and the good thing was you know, he said to me, hey, you can really – you can write. Now I was writing in first person. Yeah. He said, you can write. But he goes, but you have to – I can tell this is so autobiographical that you have to get further and further away. And with each revision, I did get further and further away. And there was something that I came up with that actually helped the distance. But I think that's so important for writers because I, whether you're, and you, your point was good too, is whether you're writing in first or third when you start, when you're very first starting, it's going to be autobiographical. And generally, yeah. the further you can get away from that, the better. Yeah. The other thing that yeah. when I was still, I said I couldn't remember what um, I was thinking about, it was the subconscious when you were talking about, um, you know, you went from, um, what was the subconscious part we were talking about? Um, um, well, it was first third, I guess. But it was the the fact, and the fact is, um, so, no, it was Malloy. It was Malloy's name, and the subconscious oh, yeah, you said. Yeah. And I think that's so. I have a a woman I used to work with, um, a writing coach named Carolyn Wheat, who would talk about the subconscious, particularly mine, because I rely on it a lot. And I think that's yeah. really important for sometimes you don't even know why something comes out, but. It's, it's, yeah. It can often make sense, and clearly with the Malloy, you know, single name, last yeah. name, it really, you know, it was there. Your brain's telling you use this, and it works. Yes, and actually, I, I, you know, I, I find it really interesting that you asked me that question. I mean, obviously, I've done uh, lots of interviews at various stages and done events and, and been asked questions about the initial mysteries and about my writing and um I've never been asked that question about Malloy. So I, I had to, but as soon as you asked me the question, the answer seemed to make sense to me, you know, and it's something I'm going to think about more later, but um, yeah, I, I think that is, that is why I call him Malloy. And it does seem to, 
but I, I, it just, it just happened. I didn't make a conscious decision to call him Roy. It just sort of grew that way, you know, in the same way as, as um, continuing to write in the first person. I mean, I, it was an experiment to begin with, but it worked. Um, well, yeah. um, once again, I'll mention Carolyn Weed. Sometimes in, in writers groups that I've been in with her, if someone will be having a problem with a someone writing in third person or first person, but generally it's third person, they'll be having a problem with the scene. And she'll say, well, try writing this scene in first person. And it does give you yeah. a different point of view. It help you get yeah, out of uh, yeah. Anyway, so I'm talking too much. So um, as we were discussing beforehand, that The Well of Ice is really your um, third book out of five published, I believe, right? That's right. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. So you wrote along because it's the third in the U.S. Though it's the important part today. That's right. But, yeah, and it's about uh, to come out in the U.S. Yeah. So I imagine that um, the most difficult part for you to overcome is I don't know if you know the show um, Murder She Wrote with Jessica Fletcher. Oh, I do, of course. Of course, Absolutely. I love right. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Lansbury, uh, you care. So I'm yeah, yeah. one. I'm guessing that is you know how do I make this believable that this um, solicitor. Um, the smallish town or, or areas, um, people are dying, and she's getting involved in the police investigation. So, how do you deal with that? I think you did a very good job in this book. It was very organic. But is that something you worry about? Yes, it is. I suppose it's something I worry about if I write too many in in this series because uh, and and it's as much to do with the location and uh, how how small the Inishowen Peninsula is. Um, in that I, at least Jessica Fletcher, you know, travels around the States and she travels around the world and yes. she even comes to Ireland on occasion, you know, and um, so she see, she she witnesses murders uh, all over the place. They're not, they're not all dying in Cabot Cove, whereas right. for me, they're mostly all dying on the initial peninsula. So I think my concern is as much to do with the location, really, as the, the profession of local solicitor you know um so i i can't i can't kill off you know the entire population of of uh own. i mean i am bringing people in regularly to Inish own in order to be murdered so i do i do that as well but <laughs> yeah, well, um, they're uh, they're blowing you know what they're called oh yeah yeah you just yeah, import well, them you know for, for the purpose of, <laughs> exactly but um the uh th- in terms of her profession um i think it was something i experienced as a small town solicitor, um, you know, you're you're almost a keeper of secrets, and I always found that incredibly interesting. You know, um, that there were occasions when you are aware of something that you know probably nobody else is aware of. It's almost like being a priest and the confessional, and and particularly if you're a blow-in, you know. And, and I was in Inishow, and I, I wasn't from the area, so. Um, when I moved there and set up my practice, I think people were more inclined to trust me and and tell me things that they mightn't have told a more local solicitor, you know. Um, And that was good. But, you know, I I was very, very careful about confidentiality and, you know, they were right to trust me. And and, um, but but you really are as a small town solicitor, you really are. You do have um, an insight and a knowledge of people's lives that they may not even be sharing with their own family, a bit like a local right. doctor as well, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think I liked the idea of writing um, a protagonist, a, a, a character, a, an amateur sleuth who was a solicitor, 
who who learned things about people who who you know people told her things without her necessarily having to go seeking them out um but yet she right. was limited in what she could do with that information you know um because she had to maintain solicitor client confidentiality and um you know i'm i'm working at the moment i'm doing a little bit of work on on a script that's been written by somebody else and there's a you know there's a solicitor in it and i'm noting i'm being very careful to point out where a solicitor a lawyer would not behave in that way because they would be prevented from being that free in terms of even talking, even mentioning that somebody has been to see you, you, you know, you don't even need to disclose what they've been to see you about. You, you right. can't disclose that they've been to see you at all. So if you meet somebody on the street in a small town and the only reason that you know them is because they've been in your office, then you have a dilemma. Do you smile at them? Do you not smile at them? Oh. Really, you shouldn't until they smile at you first, you know? So, I, I thought that was interesting. I, I thought the notion of I always found it very interesting when I was when I was practicing as a solicitor. I found it difficult and challenging. But I thought, you know, if you have an amateur sleuth who, you know, maybe has an insight into why somebody was murdered only because somebody came to see her and told her something, then that made it kind of interesting to see how she would handle that. And she wouldn't right. always get it right either, you know. So Hopefully hopefully not, yeah. So I mentioned yeah. nuts and bolts earlier. Or I actually mentioned writers that um, they're interested in the writing process that listen. So for you, what's your um, process like? Outliner, pantser? Do you oh, know what pantser, pantser is? Complete pantser. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. And in fact, I didn't know until um, a couple of years ago, I was doing an event in Belfast and uh, somebody from the audience asked me, was I a, um, a plotter or a pantser? And I had, okay. to, I had to have it explained to me what that meant, a fly by the seat of your pants, right? Um, oh, I'm a complete pantser. Yeah. Um, and I do, I do some events with, with other writers here. And there's a, there's a Irish writer called uh, Joe Spain, who's, who's fantastic. And she's the complete opposite. She's an absolute plotter and she plans everything out in advance. And when she hears me describe my process, she says it makes the hair stand up on the back of her neck. <laughs> it makes her really nervous. <laughs> it stresses her out just listening to the way I describe how I write. Um, so I, I just start with a setting. I start with a location. Um, and and the body, um, and then and and it comes from there in a very kind of organic way. I mean, there are occasions when I write myself completely into a corner and I have no way out, and I've got to take a few steps back. It doesn't work all the time, but I eventually get there. Um, so I I write in a kind of a layered sort of a way. So my first draft, I hurtle through it, and it's uh, skeletal, and the language is poor, and the grammar's awful and punctuation is sometimes non-existent and it's the right mess but and it's usually about half the length of my final book um but it has the thread of the story you know it has the skeleton there and I leave it alone to cook or fester for a week or so and then I go back and I I write the second draft on on top of the first draft I start to fill in some of the flesh and some of the detail and the first draft that I write um, doesn't get to the end. It gets about two thirds of the way through the narrative. So I have no idea who the killer is at that stage. Oh, you really don't? And I just, you don't know yeah, wow. no, I haven't a clue. I haven't a clue. I don't know until probably draft three or four, um, four, I would say, 
by the time I'm absolutely certain because at that point I've written three full drafts or you know three drafts I get closer and closer to the end with each draft it's like I'm taking a run at it each time um and by the time I get to the draft fourth draft I probably get to to the end and I know who the killer is at that stage and I know why because the characters have all fleshed out and their connections are clear to me and um, their motivations and I, I know them and so it then becomes clear to me who and why and how and you know but it uh, yeah it, it, it happens I, I just I, I go, just write it the same way each time I've tried to write differently um, and I've tried to plan it out and I find I just bore myself and I just don't yeah. seem to be able to write in any kind of vibrant way if I write if I plan it out in advance, you know, how, how do you write? Are you a pantser or a plotter? Well, being a Raymond Chandler fan, um, we always called it um, right. a, blank, a blank pager because right. he started every day looking at his typewriter with a blank page. Of course, I look at a white screen, but um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm definitely a pantser and I um, am more pantsy as I go along. And I'm glad you use the term <laughs> organic because I always say I'm a messy writer, and then I clean it up. It's called organic, but yeah, complete. It's gotten it's gotten messier as I go, but I have yeah. this faith that somehow I can um, make it work because I've done it before. But you said your friend Joe Spain um, hair stands up, and she learned how to write. My hair stands up when I realize what I, how I'm trying to write. But anyway, yeah. but the, the key there, the key is there's no set way to do it. And I always want. want yeah. I'm always amazed when I talk to other mystery writers, and I think it's. Of all the mystery writers I've talked to over the years, big and small, what have you, it's about 50-50. It's just yeah, – it's a scene I, way. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And actually, the, I, I do I do quite a few events with Joe, you know, and um, uh, it's, it's very interesting when we get asked questions um, from the audience in terms of our process. And our, our books are quite similar. You know, we have um, – we have quite, I think we're thrown together quite a lot. We're friends, but we're thrown together quite a lot at events, I think, because we have um, readers in common. Um, and if people like Joe's books, they tend to like mine and vice versa. And But yet our, our writing process is incredibly different. And I think people in the audience expect it to be similar because the books are quite similar. Um, right. And, you know, it, they're just so different. Um, you know, other elements in terms of, you know, creating character and, um, you know, writing setting and dialogue and all of those kind of things, we tend to have similar views on, you know, and similar tips. But, yeah, the actual basics of, you know, getting from the blank page to, you know, a 93,000 word novel, um, our process couldn't be any more different. Um, well, it's funny because, yeah, yeah being, a, being a blank page or a pantser, um, the well of ice has a very twisty plot and uh there's some there's some real intricacies in there and so the fact that you can do that well, i'm sort of similar in some ways without outlining everything but i think that's all the layering that you do that makes that starts to fill in the gaps and that's where the subconscious comes in i still go back to that yes yeah when you're writing all this stuff there's something in the back of your mind kind of giving you some sort of direction and then as you feel it figure out the story you're able to fill in i guess Yes, and also the the characters. I mean, I think with mysteries, um, I think the connections, I mean, you know, with your latest book, 
blind vigil, you know, I'm really interested seeing the connections between the various characters and their history. And, you know, um, and that that happens to me when I'm when I'm writing. I maybe it, maybe it might take me to uh, draft three that I will realize that two of the characters actually went to school together 20 years before and something right. nasty happened back then. But I won't have realized that they're connected at all until I get to know them well. Um, right. Or I'll realize that, you know, so-and-so used to be married to somebody else or, you know, these two individuals are cousins. Sure, of course they are. They came from a similar place. I've put them coming from a similar place. And so then it's the connections, I think, that are really important in terms certainly I fill in the flesh of the setting and I make the polish the dialogue and um and fill in detail in terms of description and all of that and and so that kind of meat comes in with later drafts but I think it's in terms of writing a mystery it's the connections between the characters that I'm working out in subsequent drafts and they only they they do come organically and they only start to to make sense when I know the characters when the characters are are kind of rising off the page they're they're becoming less flat and they're you know becoming more real to me and I I find that quite I, I like that I you know I find that quite exciting when that starts to happen you know um, yeah it's like meeting I, I, somebody you know like the the Irish are great at you know kind of at making connections you know everybody knows somebody from you know you're, you're usually you know three or four people away from somebody that you know here you know um and and i suppose that's probably that feeds into the way i write too yeah well it, uh, i agree i agree with that you know like, everything comes from the characters and and sometimes it, it takes a while to it takes me a while to um get to know them so I mentioned, and I hope, I hope this is still because when I met you two years ago at, uh, we used to have these things called writers conferences uh, when people would actually yes, see each other. I know, touch, touch I remember. But I was St. Petersburg BoucherCon, and the word was, and I looked at your website, is that you um, your series have been yes. um, being adapted? Is that ongoing? Yes. Is there hope? Is there, is it, it, is. Be in it is. Fantastic. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. It's ongoing. Um, there, there are, uh, there have been a few um, sort of uh, tr- troughs and peaks <laughs> along the way um, since then. The first three books were optioned. Um, yeah, and, fantastic. Uh, yeah, and and they were optioned two years ago. Um, I think just shortly before I met you, actually. I think they were optioned that summer, um, but they raised. Uh, finance very quickly and you know the plan was to start filming the following summer and and then of course inevitably things slow down and they speed up and they slow down and they speed up and yeah. but um, there and then of course the the uh, pandemic happened and uh, television and film the television television and film industry sort of ground to a halt um, but uh, things are happening again now, uh, and uh, yeah, um, scripts are happening, and I'm going to be more involved in it um, than I originally thought I would be, which is very exciting and interesting. That's great. And, yeah. So yes, things are happening. I I've been doing some work this week in connection with the television series. So I think you know, I mean, a lot will depend on when when they'll be allowed to film again and yeah. all of that. But uh, certainly, yes. 
things are happening and you know i'm in the, uh, i'm in a happy mood about it at the moment so that's fantastic <laughs> thanks, congratulations that's so cool um, thanks Matt. so speaking of inner show on mysteries um is, do you have a set idea of how many books or is it i mean i don't there shouldn't be an end but i'm just wondering do you have an arc in mind yeah well at the moment probably six i would say um five are written um and uh, i'm at the moment i'm working on something else i'm working on a novel set in dublin um so i've sort of the, the most recent book that has been um published in Ireland, it was published in Ireland in um, April and has just been published in the UK, is the fifth one in the series, which is called The Body Falls. Um, yeah. And I haven't written the sixth one yet, but there is a uh, there's a cliffhanger at the end of The Body Falls, so I'm going to have to write a sixth one. I've, I've um, yeah, I've, I've given myself um, uh, no way out there, <laughs> so... Uh, there will be a sixth one, uh, but possibly not, uh, possibly after a little bit of a break, you know, um, and particularly with the uh, with the television series happening. Yeah. I think their plan is um, to have the first series um, uh, involving the first three books and then the second series, if the first series goes well, the second series will be three books. So they will need six. Um, so, wow. so that's the plan at the moment. Um, I think well, after six, I don't know where what will happen. Uh, as you pointed out, I'm killing a lot of people in any show. On. <laughs> well, if you wrote a if you wrote book five with a big cliffhanger hanger, and you're gonna mm. you're making your readers wait at least two years to get to get the the answer right. Yeah, very I cool. know. <laughs> very cruel. Well, that's good. Keep them wanting more. I know. I know. And especially if I don't even know what the answer to the cliffhanger is, you know. Well, because you're a pantser. Exactly, which I clearly don't, you know, and especially if I'm, you know, dithering about answering it, you know, I'm writing something else in the meantime while I have a think about it. I started writing the last the last book, um, which was Lost Tomorrow. It's about Rick had an over this dark cloud that is, he's been, before this first series ever started, he was accused of murdering his wife, arrested, and never, mm. never tried, never exonerated. It's so I thought, you know, I have. I have to write this book now, and it, that's the only thing that was coming to me. I didn't really want to write it, but I had to write it. And when I sat down to start, I mean, I, this is like 19 years or 17 years at the time I was writing this guy. I didn't even know. I didn't know who killed this wife. <laughs> I had to figure it out. But, but the thing is, if you're a pantser, you just got to start writing, and it's going to come to Exactly. You. Exactly. I noticed we have a character name in common as well. You have a Leah, too. Well... <laughs> I actually have a Luke in the book I'm writing right now, which will come out next year. Ah, and so I've got a brilliant. Leah and a Luke in the same book, just like you. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, I do well, like the so, name Elk for a lawyer. <laughs> I can't tell you where that one came from. <laughs> yes. It's a guy you went to school with. I won't go any, I won't go any further. Uh, well, thanks. Um, so you so what's next is sort of like, yeah, you're working through the fantastic TV, I, um, but then you, you, it's a, sort of you're working on a standalone right now. Is that the idea? Yeah, well, it 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 is. Um, it, it's a standalone that may be a, a, a series, if that makes any sense. Um, sure, absolutely. A pro- yeah, probably probably the beginning of a new series um, set in Dublin. Uh, but I'm also involved in scripts for the television series so there are, so I'm, sure. which is 
you know, so there are two things that I'm 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 working on at the moment. So one is a novel, and one is is um, screenplay sort of stuff. Um, so that's keeping me busy at the moment. I'm gonna start calling um, Michael Connolly. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not sure. I, I think I have a long way to go, Matt. A long way to go, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know, it's uh, if you're enjoying what you're, and I'm enjoying um, the book that I'm working on at the moment, uh, which is which is great. I think sometimes you need to take a break from a series that you're writing in order to rejuvenate, um, right. you know, the, your ideas and. And the way you feel about it, and because every time I have written a new Inish Owen book, I have enjoyed going back into it, and it is—it it feels like I'm walking back down the street in Glendara again, and I'm shaking hands with my old characters and seeing what they've been doing in the meantime, and and I want—I want to keep feeling like that. I don't want to at any point feel, oh God, I've got to write another Inish Owen book. I don't want to feel that way, you know. So, um, I think taking a break is sometimes a good idea, you know. I th- yeah, I think and if you don't want to write it, it'll translate to the readers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's not that right. I don't want to write it. I just don't want to write it now. No, I, I understand completely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, running out of time, where can people find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, well, I have a um, – I'm on Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. Um so my uh, Twitter handle, I think if you look up Andrea Carter, you'll find me. Or if you go to Ocean View, who are our publishers, um, you'll find me as well. Um, uh, but I'm Andy. It's going to be very complicated for me to give you this because it's an Irish name. Andy Size Carter, and it's spelled with C. Size is right. spelled with a B H. So, uh, but if you look up Andrea Carter um, on uh, Twitter, you should be able to find me. And I have a website which is andreacarterbooks.com, and I think my Twitter handle is on there. So, yeah. When I was trying to uh, find your email by, um, you know, having it uh, just fill in when I started typing some letters, the uh, your email address fooled me. So it took me a while to find you again. Anyway. <laughs> My second name, my second name is Sive, S-A-I-B-H, which is an Irish name. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for taking time out of your Friday night because it is almost uh, it's after 8:30 there in Ireland. Uh, Thanks for time and taking the time to talk to us. I really enjoyed it. I know too, and hopefully we'll be able to meet again at some um, event. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Vatican seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Yeah, we didn't have one this year. Yeah, hopeful. Yeah. We're hopeful. Anyway, yeah, well, thanks absolutely. a lot. Yeah, really appreciate it. That was a great chat. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed that, and thanks a million for having me on. I loved Thank it. You. Thank you. But all right, so actually, Crime Corner will be back in two weeks when I interview Mystery World icon and traveling poker game founder, founder Gary Phillips. Also, if you're in a book club and liked an author to answer questions and talk about his work, I'd love to do it. You can find me on my email address, uh, or you can find me on my website. You can find my email address there, mattcoilbooks.com. This is a copyrighted, trademark podcast owned solely by the authors on the air, Global Radio Network. See you in a couple weeks.